Would you pray with me? Uh, King Jesus, there is a freedom in your name, and there is power in your name, and there's hope in your name, and there is uh, peace in your name. Uh, we give you thanks this morning for uh, your good name. Uh, church family, in this time that we have together this morning, I want to just encourage you, if you would, to uh, just take a moment and you pray for you, wherever uh, you are. You know what you're experiencing and what you're going through uh, even better than I do, and so just take a moment, if you would, in, in the quietness uh, of our time, and you pray for you. And if you would be so kind, would you take a moment this morning and would you pray for me and pray that my words might be used by God, by His Spirit, and that they would be helpful to you this morning in pointing you to Jesus. God, we're so incredibly grateful for the opportunity that we have to gather together this morning. Thank you again for the good name of your son, Jesus, and for the, the power in his name and the, the peace in his name and the hope and the joy uh, that is in the good name of Jesus. Thank you that we have an opportunity as your people to gather together this morning uh, to open up your living and active word and to learn from you and be changed by you. I pray that you might do that in our time together this morning. God, we love you. We thank you so much. Uh, for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen. You may have a seat. Hope you are well, church family. Um, I don't know if it's a character flaw that is present in my heart and in my life. Perhaps it is, but I, I, I love movies where the main character has been wronged in some way, either, either the main character or his, or his family, and then for the next two hours, he just blows everything up. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I find it mildly entertaining, and I don't know why. I'm not proud of it. I don't know if it's a guy thing. This is unusual to me because typically I'm not like this. Uh, I've never once in my life uh, said to anyone, what are you looking at? Do you want to go? I've never said that. I have asked people before, and how does that make you feel? But I've never said to anyone, do you want to step outside? But for whatever reason, when I'm watching a, a movie and I see it on the screen, there is something within me that it just gravitates toward it. And again, I don't know why. I'm not a fighter by nature. I'm a lover. I'm not a fighter. There was one time in high school when I almost got into a fight. Almost. No punches were thrown. But there was a class bully and I had had enough. He picked on me seemingly each and every day. And finally, I, I just had it. And so I looked at him and said, do you want to fight? I will fight you right now. But when I said that, I was reminded that I was standing in art class next to the pottery. And I thought to myself, if I get in a fight next to the pottery and pastels, the story won't tell well. And so we didn't fight. We didn't fight. But there is something within me that longs 
for justice, and, and every once in a while that justice creeps toward, like, vengeance. And so I read a passage like we're going to read this morning, and I'm challenged. And I wonder if you won't be as well. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 38. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 38. We are in the Sermon on the Mount. This is the most famous message ever delivered by Jesus. I think it was pretty spectacular. And if you've been walking with us, then uh, you know that this message uh, challenges us. Jesus steps on our toes a little bit. There are times when he makes us feel uncomfortable. Uh, but he doesn't stop. He keeps going. He keeps digging. Uh, he does in Matthew 5:38 when he says to the crowds, You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. I read this passage this morning, and I I have over the course of the last couple weeks, and I can't help but ask myself questions like, when we've been wronged as Christians, uh, is it wrong to fight back? Are Christians called followers of Jesus to essentially lay down and spend their lives getting walked all over? Is there a time when it's appropriate for us to fight, even in art class next to the pottery? If If we lose our shirt in a business deal, are we called to hand over our whole wardrobe? Should we, as Christians, as followers of Jesus, post our ATM number on social media for anyone who needs anything? And is that what Jesus is calling us to do? Is this a call for Christians to be pansies, pushovers, or pacifists? As we consider these words together this morning, I want us to be reminded of two important truths. Uh, They're not original to me. Uh, Scholar Don Carson points them out in his commentary on the Sermon on the Mount. I think they're helpful uh, for us to frame Jesus' words here this morning. Uh, First, Don Carson points out that the law was designed uh, to be restrictive in nature. The law, God's law, was designed to be restrictive in nature. It was a tool to prevent vengeance, not to promote vengeance. So this phrase, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, was used to prevent an individual from taking matters into their own hands and exacting judgment or vengeance uh, toward another person uh, who had wronged them. You've heard the phrase, the punishment didn't fit the crime. This passage addresses that. Have you ever had an experience before where either you or someone you know has responded to a situation or a scenario uh, that that seemed uh, not to be well-suited for what that situation called for. I think of uh, every example of road rage 
that I have ever read about or that I can recall. Like, have, have you ever read a story about road rage before and thought to yourself, that response seemed appropriate? You know, someone gets cut off on the highway or doesn't use their right-hand turn signal, and some, someone pulls alongside of them and waves to them to get off the side of the road so they can fight or show a weapon. Like, you, you think to yourself, is that really necessary? Is, is that really called for? Maybe in a marriage relationship, your feelings have been hurt, your spouse said something uh, to you that wounded you, and so you give them the silent treatment for a decade. Maybe, just maybe, the punishment doesn't fit the crime. Have you ever found yourself early one morning putting away all of the dishes in the dishwasher, every single one of them, the cups, the plates, the bowls, all of the silverware, only to have your son or daughter follow behind you and take their empty cereal bowl and set it on the counter. You look at them and very calmly say, you are grounded (laughs) forever. No phone, no friends, no fun until you move out of the house. Does the punishment fit the crime? In the last example, yes. Yes, it does. But none of the others. Jesus here is addressing the, the mindset in people that caused folks to want to take matters into their own hands and seek vengeance towards someone who had wronged them. So remember, the the law was given and was designed to be restrictive in nature. Secondly, uh, the law was given to the Jewish people uh, as a nation. It was not designed solely uh, to be a rule book for people to settle personal vendettas. The law was not supposed to be taken uh, by individuals or people and, and them think to themselves, how far can I go? in exacting judgment toward an individual before I am sinning. See, by the time that Jesus showed up onto the scene, uh, people were taking matters into their own hands. They were overlooking the fact that the law was supposed to be restrictive in nature. They, They took the law solely as something for them as individuals to follow, but not for them as a nation or as a people uh, to follow. And so the law no longer served as a form of judgment, but as, uh, a way of seeking personal justice or vengeance or an expression of hate uh, toward another individual. And then one day, one day Jesus, as he oftentimes did, uh, shows up onto the scene and steps on some toes. He says to the crowd, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, do not resist uh, the one who is evil. This is a reference to the Old Testament law, Leviticus 24, 17. If a man takes a life, he shall be put to death. Life for life, eye for eye, a tooth for tooth. So Jesus says, you've, you've heard it said, you know this. This is familiar to you, shouldn't surprise you. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But he doesn't stop there. He says, but I say to you, do not resist the one who 
is evil. Well, that's quite a statement. Do not resist uh, the one who is evil. Well, what do you do with that? Does that mean it's not appropriate for, for Christians uh, to fight back? to seek justice, uh, to pursue what is right. Uh, some Christians through uh, the ages have come to that conclusion. Maybe most famously, author uh, and distinguished 19th century Russian novelist and social reformer Leo Tolstoy and his work in What I Believe um, wrote the following, where he interprets Jesus' words as a prohibition of all physical violence to both persons and institutions. He said, it is impossible at one and the same time to confess Christ is God, the basis of whose teaching is non-resistance uh, to him that is evil, and consciously and calmly to work for the establishment of property, law courts, government, and military forces. Tolstoy poured over these verses and he came to the conclusion, I, I don't see how someone can claim to be a Christian, a follower of the way of Jesus and simultaneously believe that it is appropriate for there to be the existence of a police force or military or, or even a pursuit of justice by individuals. Now, that's a, that's a big leap. People after Tolstoy, like Gandhi, who uh, was not a believer, was significantly influenced by his teaching, and he came to some of the same conclusions. And yet, I believe Scripture teaches that, that this is not uh, the best way to look at this passage. I don't believe that Jesus was teaching that Christians are to always lay down or to be pushovers or pacifists. I believe that God has given human government to punish evildoers and to reward those who do good. There are times when it is right and necessary to push back, to confront human evil, to seek justice, to right wrongs, and to fight for what is good and to protect uh, what we love. And, and I believe here that Jesus uh, paints a picture of life in the kingdom of God that looks very different than oftentimes the life that we may live or the life that we pursue. Jesus gives us four examples of what does it look like uh, to pursue uh, this kind of life? And the first thing that Jesus does is calls us uh, to avoid the retaliation penalty. Jesus calls us to avoid what I call the retaliation penalty. He said, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, uh, turn to him the other also. Uh, I don't know if this has ever been done before south of the Canadian border uh, but I'm going to use two hockey illustrations in the same morning. Because right? I grew up in Metro Detroit. Uh, Detroit is called Hockey Town. 
Right? Back in the day, the Detroit Red Wings were the equivalent of the New York Yankees of the NHL. We, we were dominant. We were dominant. That was a long time ago. Now, they are rebuilding. But there was a time when we were dominant. I don't know if you've ever watched hockey before. You don't have to answer that. I know the answer is no. But uh, if you've ever watched a hockey game before, you will notice that they carry around with them um, weapons, sticks. Right? And oftentimes, one player will approach another player and not want to have a chit-chat about life. Uh, instead, one player will actually hit the other player with the stick, like that, like on his shin or on his ankle, and he'll smack him like that, and the player will look at him, and he doesn't say it, but I know what he's thinking, that's not nice. And so the player with a stick will look at him again, and he'll go, and he'll hit him again. I've never heard someone say this, but the one player who's been hit looks at the other player and says, I double dog dare you to do that again. And so the man with a stick a third time will hit him on the ankle. And do you know what will happen? The man who has been hit on the ankle three times will take his stick, his weapon, and he will hold it tightly like this, and he will thrust it into the shoulder of the other man who just hit him. The man then will fall to the ice, and the referee will blow his whistle. Guess who gets the penalty? The guy who retaliated. The guy who retaliated is oftentimes the one who goes into the penalty box. If you're not familiar with hockey, a penalty box is a timeout for adults. The referee tells the man, you go sit in that fishbowl for two minutes or four minutes or five minutes and you think about what you've done. Everyone else is going to play, but you're not invited. Why? Well, because he retaliated. He took matters into his own hands. He took his stick and he hit another man. When we take matters into our own hands and we retaliate, it never ends well. Uh, Jesus warns his followers here, don't get a retaliation penalty. Don't get a retaliation penalty. The picture here that Jesus paints is one of an individual who literally uh, will strike another person with the back of his hand. This was not done to, to kill a person. Uh, it was done to shame a person. Jesus is not making an argument that a Christian should accept physical abuse uh, from another person. But he is telling his followers, and he is telling you, and me, uh, that we should live in such a way that we don't feel the need uh, to go out of our way uh, to get even with someone when we have been wronged. And because what is our temptation? The temptation is to even the score, but to one-up someone. Like, you've wronged me, I'm going to wrong you, but I'm going to do you one better. Jesus said, this is not the way of the kingdom. 
the goal of the principle was to love people with controlled justice and not uncontrolled vengeance. I love that. It's not original to me. To love someone with controlled justice, not uncontrolled vengeance. Jesus is not negating just punishment. He is saying that the principle of the law, though, uh, is to extend uh, mercy when everything within you wants to dole out justice. One author uh, writes that emotion driven by retaliation usually overreacts in pain. Emotion driven by retaliation usually overreacts in pain. You ever been there before? You feel the emotion well up within you. Emotion driven by retaliation usually overreacts in pain. Jesus says to his followers, there is another way. Jesus continues and reminds the crowd that you need to fight for your right not to party. All of you grew up in the 90s. He says, you need to fight for your right uh, to lay down your rights. Verse 40, and if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. Here there's an example of a man who brings a lawsuit against you. Uh, The shirt he wishes to take was the tunic. It was a, a long inner garment worn under the coat next to the skin. It was usually made of wool or linen, and it was often used uh, for bartering or for making payments in Jesus' day. The coat, on uh, the other hand, was the outer garment considered to be more valuable. It was not only used as a coat, but it was also used for bedding, especially if one had to sleep outdoors. In fact, uh, the Old Testament law said that the poor should not be made to surrender of their coat. Like, think about it. It was so valuable that the, even the poor could hold on to it and not lose it. Jesus, however, calls his followers to go beyond what the law requires. Respond to your accuser and adversary with grace. In our day and age, we uh, might say to ourselves something along the lines of, man, he, like, he, he took my shirt. Right? Meaning like he, he took it all. Jesus says, if he takes your shirt, like, give him your coat. <laughs> There's nothing about that that is, that is natural. I mean, don't, I mean, isn't there something within you? Even you hear that. I'm, I'm trying to picture someone takes me to something, someone takes something from me that I believe is mine. And Jesus says essentially like, give them more. That is radically unselfish. Radically unselfish. That is, that is not normal or typical. That, that strikes me even as a bit odd. But, but Jesus 
again, is teaching the people um, a principle, and that principle is this, respond in grace. Respond in grace. Grace is unmerited and undeserved favor. It isn't earned. It isn't deserved. And it's not natural. It is, it is not natural. But here, the person isn't driven by a protection of what is truly theirs. They, they do what is unnecessary, what is unexpected, and what is undeserving. And that is compelling. When someone lays down their rights, uh, people take notice. Maybe you hear that this morning and you go, wait a second, James. I mean, that, that sounds well and good, but not in the real world, right? Am I, am, am I supposed to take it on the chin, metaphorically speaking, my whole life? Am I supposed to let people uh, walk all over me? Uh, no, <laughs> no. I, I do wonder, though, if our propensity is to naturally fight, like if, if we care deeply about making sure uh, that we are the judge and the jury and the executioner in someone else's life. Like, like I wonder if for us, Jesus isn't calling us to this new way of life. He says to the crowd, avoid the retaliation penalty, a fight for your right to lay down your rights. And then Jesus uh, continues and introduces what I like to call the first carry-on luggage policy. Verse 41, and if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. It was the year 1970, and Bernard Chagot had an idea. He was going through customs at the airport in Puerto Rico on his way back from Aruba with his wife and his kids. He was hauling behind him two rather large pieces of luggage, tightly packed in 27-inch suitcases. Without a porter in sight, when he spotted a man moving a piece of machinery with a wheeled platform. And he thought to himself, I've got an idea. He had the machinery and he was uh, pushing it along with little effort. And this man said to his wife, that's what we need. He attached four casters when he got home and used those uh, like you would on a truck on wheels. He put them on the bottom of his suitcase. He attached a strap, and off to the market he went. He was awarded a patent in the year 1970. It was his alone until two years later, a group of competitors uh, came together and said, wait a second, I think you should share this wonderful idea with us. Many years later, in 1987, a Northwest Airlines pilot invented the original rollerboard wheel-led uh, wheel bag, making it possible to avoid uh, checking luggage entirely, which, if you don't know this already, is literally evidence of God's grace, His common grace to all. We all get to enjoy it. That was the first carry-on 
back. But the original idea actually belonged to Jesus. Long before that bag was invented, Jesus commanded his disciples, if you are forced uh, to carry a bag one mile, carry it two. Simply carry on. It wasn't uncommon for a Roman soldier to approach a Jew in that day and to give to him his baggage to carry. And there was a set distance uh, that he was to carry uh, the bag or the luggage. Jesus told his followers, when that happens, don't feel slighted or irritable in such cases. Instead, just go twice as far. In other words, uh, be willing to be inconvenienced. Be willing in life uh, to be inconvenienced to the point uh, where you are, you're not only meeting the bare minimum of what is required in the moment, uh, but you are going above uh, and beyond uh, for someone else. Are you willing, Christ's point, to set aside your schedule, uh, your calendar, or your agenda uh, for the sake of another, uh, even when it's an inconvenience to you. And let me just remind you, uh, more often than not, it's an inconvenience to you. Again, uh, th this is not uh, clean and easy. And what I mean by that is there are times when well-meaning Christians uh, look at a verse like this and essentially think that they must function in such a way where they never say no to anything. We might describe that mindset as someone who has no boundaries. Because right? it says here, Someone asks us to go a mile, we should go two. And functionally, what that means, or what we tell ourselves that what that means, is that we, we can never set up boundaries in our lives to say, you know what, I'm, I'm unable to do that right now. Uh, when we function that way, that's actually unhealthy uh, for, for us, and oftentimes for those closest to us. There's author Henry Cloud wrote a wonderful little book a number of years ago called Boundaries. I highly recommend it. It's a great book. It's a great book. And when we set up life in such a way that we say no to everything, all the time and respond by simply saying, I've got boundaries. I think we're missing out on what Jesus is teaching. Like I'm, I'm trying to imagine one of the disciples raising their hand after Jesus says this 
and says, uh, Rabbi, Rabbi, have you read Boundaries by Henry Cloud? Like, I don't... Again, there are times when it's wholly appropriate and necessary and needed and wise to say no. And, and the words of Jesus here should challenge us. They should challenge us. Jesus gives the first uh, carry-on policy by simply telling the people, carry on. Someone asked you to go to a mile, go to. Lastly, Jesus uh, is going to teach his followers, his people, to not uh, live life with alligator arms. It's in the Greek. You got to study it. It says it there. Don't live life with alligator arms. Verse 42, give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Have you seen the great Geico commercial where people go out for the business dinner and, and the check comes at the end and the camera scans and everyone's well-dressed, they've enjoyed their meal and there's an alligator sitting at the table and the alligator says, I got it. And then the camera pans to the alligator and the bill's in the center of the table and the alligator with his little arms is going, ah, 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 ah. I can't reach it. I can't reach it. <laughs> Jesus tells his followers, uh, don't live that way. Don't live that way. Like, be, be generous. Be, be a generous people. Give to the one who begs you. Do not refuse the one uh, who would borrow from you. I get it. I don't, I don't know about you, but sometimes my first response when I hear that is to think um, there are times when that's irresponsible. We shouldn't do that. I was at a friend one time having lunch down in Charlotte, and after we walked outside, we were walking to our cars, and we were approached by an individual who came up to us and asked for money. I'm going, okay. <laughs> I said, do you, do, you, do you have any cash? And my friend said, I don't, I don't have any cash on me, but I have a credit card. I said, if, if, if you want, I'll take you inside and I'll buy you lunch. What would you like? And he said, no, 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 you don't have to buy me lunch. I just, I just want some cash. And my friend says, well, I don't, I don't keep cash with me. I have my card. I'll take you inside. I'll, I'll buy you lunch. I'll buy you a drink or I'll buy you something to eat. And, and he said again, no, 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 I just, I just want cash. And my friend said, I don't, I don't have cash, but I, I'd be willing to, to buy you lunch. And he looked at him and he said, man, I don't think you understand what I'm asking. I want cash. Now, I look at that situation and that scenario, and I, and I think to myself, there, there, there's, some, there's some wisdom. There's some wisdom in going, I, I'm willing to do this, but I'm not going to do that. And, man, I, I really think there's, there's times when, when God wants to, to press us a little bit and to move us into some, some arguably 
uncomfortable situations um, so, so that we'll be stretched. Use wisdom. Use wisdom. But, but, walk, but walk into those scenarios or situations uh, with, with open hands. You see, here's the thing. I, I'm just going to speak for myself. But, but I read this, and, and my, just my first response or inclination is to immediately think about the exception. I read this and I go, well, yeah, but, but what about... And I've got stories. And maybe you do too. And, and I, <laughs> I, I don't believe that Jesus wants that to be our immediate response. The situation I heard recently about a gentleman who was at a stoplight saw a car behind him with a couple arguing and he decided to to confront the individual because of how he was treating the woman he was with older gentleman got out of the car and and told him uh, <laughs> you need to stop took this woman at, at great cost to uh, himself, found, found a place for her to stay for a week, gave her food to eat. After that, that week had uh, been completed, another friend came, used his resources, put her up for another week, uh, provided food and, and gas uh, for her. I got to be honest with you. When I heard the story, my my first response was, I don't think, I don't think that's wise. That's that's messy. It's probably cleaner to kind of wipe your hands and to walk away. And I, and I think, just for me, I feel like God wants to work on that mindset and that mentality in me. I am not naive. It's like I get, in part, how the world works. But, but I do think that there are times when, when Jesus wants to press us and he wants to press into us. And so I find myself asking questions like, am I willing to believe that God is just or do I feel the need to take matters into my own hands? 
Like if, if I'm wrong, do, do I think to myself, if I don't take care of this, no one else will? Or as a follower of Jesus, do I go before the Lord who is just, who sees things perfectly and say to him, uh, <laughs> this is how I feel, Lord, but I'm going to trust you. Am I willing to go above and beyond in my response to people? Above and beyond. Even to the point where someone else might look at it and go, I don't know if that's super wise. Am I willing to be inconvenienced for the sake of others? This little world that I try to create that is safe and predictable, where I experience maximum joy and pleasure, am, am I willing to have that little world that I try so tirelessly to create, am I, am I okay if someone, God, shakes it up a bit? Lastly, am I willing uh, to be generous uh, even when it's costly? Am, am I willing to be generous uh, even when it's costly? You have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Would you pray with me? God, I can't help but uh, to think about uh, the work, quite honestly, that needs to be done uh, in, in my own heart and in my own life as uh, I think about the words of Jesus this morning. And so I pray that by the power of your Spirit that you would do that uh, good work in me uh, and in us. I don't know for certain, but I suspect I'm not the only one. And so I pray that you would change your people, uh, mold and shape us into the image of Jesus. And when I think of the way of Jesus in what marked his life, uh, I think that he did these things perfectly. And so we worship him and honor him this morning. God, we love you so much. Uh, we thank you for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.